too at um, in Sedona of all places, and of course we live about I don't know ten minutes from each other probably, and um, and uh, <clears throat> and I recognized you right away as uh, somebody that I had seen before at this place we frequent in downtown Encinitas called Eve. Anyway, we started talking, and it was one of those really cool coincidences. And you ran out to your car and grabbed a grabbed your book, uh, and I know you have another book that's uh, imminent, and so we should talk about that. Uh, we should mention that for sure in, in, through the episode, but you gave us your book, and we went home and started reading it, and we're just like, oh my God, this is really, really powerful, really kind of right down our alley, and that's when Teresa promptly grabbed it and hasn't returned it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was especially great because of the synchronicity, and we were um, all where we met you was in this really wonderful vegan, um, not vegan, raw cafe mm-hmm. um, in Sedona. And we were in Sedona to kind of recharge our direction and our um, our work with OwnStream. It was sort of a retreat. And uh, so, and, and we're also sort of recharging the way we were eating. And so it was really good to, I don't know, it felt like, uh, yeah, that kind of synchronicity running into you there and <laughs> good energy. So Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. And we were just sitting right next to each other too. <laughs> yeah, I think you had even told somebody that you were visiting from Encinitas and that's what confirmed mm-hmm. it for me that I did actually recognize you. Um yeah. But so we went home and started reading, and it kind of leads into our first topic, I suppose, our first series of questions, where in the beginning of your book, and, and, and the book that we're referring to is called Holistic Health Mastery Program, A Guide to Health and Lifestyle Transformation. That's the book you gave to us, which um, is, a, is a fantastic book. Um, to me, it sort of speaks to lifestyle, food, diet, everything that's interesting to us really right at the leading edge, right at the cutting edge of kind of where that might be in its most evolved place. And But in that book, you talk very beautifully about your calling and how uh, for a period of time you denied this. And so what I think would be interesting is to sort of hear about who you were, what your life was like before that, and then we'll get into what happened then and then kind of what, what it has done through you, let's say, since that time. So maybe start by talking about kind of who you were, what your life was like before that special moment. Sure, yeah. So my life was pretty much based around athletics and martial arts. I was raised as a martial artist since the age of four and also as an athlete and I competed both in basketball and in taekwondo for most of my life and I was paralleling a professional career in both arenas and yeah that was pretty much everything to me and I had no aspirations of doing anything else other than maybe little side businesses or developing a business around taekwondo or around you know athletic training and something of that nature And then when I was 23 years old, I was overcoming my second knee surgery. I had my first knee surgery when I was 19 years old, and I was spending years rehabilitating and starting to slowly change my lifestyle and my diet and upgrade just my awareness around food and food consciousness and, you know, starting to learn about whole foods, learning about organic food, learning about more plant-based nutrition. And it started slowly for me. And I just wanted to utilize that as a way to increase sports performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through a s- different series of synchronicities and different changing trajectories in my life where um, my, my pursuit as an athlete was starting to wane and things were starting to change with me in my life, I just got opened up to this other possibility of becoming a fully-fledged nutritionist and a public speaker and a writer. And that just took a hold of me. It just created a life of its own. I created an obsession to learn about nutrition, an obsession to learn about this body, how it works, how I can fuel it for optimum performance, how I can heal myself of all the inflammation and all the chronic issues that I was dealing with from wear and tear as an athlete. And from there, I just had a complete metamorphosis of just going through my own nutrition journey, getting into plant-based nutrition, getting into raw living foods, getting into green vegetable juicing, 
getting into superfoods, smoothies, all of it. And it literally changed my whole body. It, it freed all the inflammation up in my body. Um, I completely healed my knee injuries, all that. I never had to ice my knees ever again. Uh, it was just a complete transformation. It also transformed my consciousness. It transformed my conscious awareness um, of the environment. I became more environmentally aware. I became more aware of things like factory farming and the inhumane treatment of animals worldwide. Um, specifically going into slaughterhouses to be slaughtered for consume, you know, basically consumerism, just to consume the, you know, the, the cadavers of, of dead animals, which now seems like the weirdest thing in the world to me. But back then, you know, it's just kind of like, wow, okay, this is interesting. I never really put that much consideration into that whole situation. But then just one thing after another started to reveal itself to me. And uh, yeah, it just took on a life of its own. And one day I just decided, this is my life. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do with my life. And I just jumped full in. We're definitely going to dig more into a lot of that in terms of your health and, and food um, and what's going on in our society now. We want to pause for a minute and ask you if you could tell us a little more about you know what that call felt like. How did you know it was a calling um, what did that feel like, um, and how did you answer it? Because we think of, you know, a number of our listeners are folks who may feel that call, but yes. but deny it, you know. And you talk about that in your book that people often deny that call, you know. And and so, what? How did how did it feel, and how did you answer it? Yeah, first of all, my experience is that ninety nine percent of people likely are are avoiding their own destiny. They're mm. they're actually my belief is that. Um, God, the creator, universal intelligence, whatever you want to call it, the grand designer is constantly trying to save us. And mm. we constantly resist the call to actually heal ourselves. And it's a very fascinating aspect of psychology when you get into the psychology of healing or the psychology of detoxification, because it's essentially the same conversation. It's this it's this resistance to answering a call that's that's like an impulse from our soul. And I believe that it can be very difficult to identify that call because we have spent so much time in our life medicating and sedating that impulse to the point where, you know, I just feel like we don't trust ourselves as a society. Um, and that's how consumerism persists, I believe, is is because we're not actually trusting our own power to make our own decisions and to create the life of our dreams. Um, so essentially, we, we, we suppress that calling for however long until it becomes kind of a foreign memory. And then we have to have an experience that shocks us out of apathy. It shocks us out of it kind of exhausts the resistance to the point where like, you know, you might lose a loved one or you might have you who's listening or any of us might have something that's so shocking that actually sobers us in a way. You know, we think of sobriety as like getting off alcohol or something. I think sobriety is actually getting off the, the hypnotic spell of, um, you know, a life that we weren't meant to live. Yeah, essentially. So for me, what that felt like was, um, it was like my kid, my cages were being rattled. You guys still there? Yeah, we're here. Okay, cool. Can you hear us? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So by the way, so we, mm -hmm. we're, we have a little construction going on outside and for people listening, you might hear a little mm -hmm. chainsaw. So we're muting ourselves while you're talking just so we're not, um, layering oh, that okay. over that's what you're what, saying but okay cool. yeah, yeah, yeah no problem though keep yeah. going this is really great yeah so for me the visceral feeling was you know uh the best way i could say it for everybody is that i was so consumed as a at this point in my journey i i transferred from being an olympic hopeful in taekwondo to giving a professional shot a professional career in basketball one more shot and I spent three years um, really pursuing that career vigilantly. And I just remember my first year on raw living food. And we're talking about like going 100% raw food, 100% vegan, 100% raw food. Um, and I went through like some intense detox. 
I started losing weight. I was thinning out. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just like eating fruit out of the, the market. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no real guidance or anything, but it just felt like it felt like what was calling me. And so the calling was just like ascent. The small part of the calling was like just eating more like raw food. It just felt it just felt like the thing to do. It's like I can't explain it other than that. It was just like going to the market and just eating as much fruit and like vegetables as I could. And I felt this like pull to start doing that. But then the big the big awakening for me was when I was in a basketball training session and I went up to my coach who was preparing me to actually try out for the semi-professional basketball team uh, a week a week from this moment and I went up to him and I said, you know, I don't really know what's happening to me right now, but all I can say is that I don't feel the same passion and the same fire that I had before and I don't think I can actually compete with these guys because the fire isn't there anymore and it actually I don't I can't do it. And uh, he he um, was reluctant but he kind of understood where I was coming from and something deep inside of me was shifting and that was the moment I embarked on a much deeper spiritual direction. That was the moment I just really thrusted myself into the unknown and I just decided that I was going to start writing books and I was going to start studying nutrition like a professional. I was going to go so deep into it and make this my vocation and I started I started like leading lectures at like raw vegan potlucks and just anywhere I could and then eventually I got deep into the Bay Area raw food and vegan and vegetarian communities and then I started um, putting on like raw chocolate events and, and parties and anywhere I could speak and just kind of get my, my voice out there and start practicing my oratorical uh, skills as a speaker. And that's just how it started for me. And from there, I just I just kept following the calling. I have so many stories of so many synchronicities and so many um, callings along the way. But it, ultimately, it's always been a visceral uh, impulse within me that comes into my body. It comes around my chest. And it's usually when I feel very nervous, I feel uncertain. And there's also a bit of excitement that, that undertones that nervousness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that nervousness is essentially part of the ego dying away. And mm. it's resisting. It's holding on for dear life. It's the old identity structures that we have We've created for ourselves to stay comfortable, and it's the discomfort of a new state of evolution, I think, that's, that's trying to emerge through us, and so that's where that anxiety or that, that, like, that, that discomfort comes from, but underneath it, you know it's a real calling because there's this sense of excitement that accompanies it if you just kind of breathe into it and you're still with it. Um, then I feel like, um, that's, that's what it's always felt like for me anyways. So, and, and, you know, one quick follow up on that. <clears throat> Was there ever a time during that period where you had to kind of assert yourself maybe mm -hmm. or, or come out, if you will, to the old part of your life? Mm -hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> I think that's often a challenge. It's something that's, that's cha been challenging for me, like with family or friends or people that I've known before back east or what have you, people that kind of identify me with, in, in your case at least, the basketball player or, or the martial artist. And now suddenly like, whoa, no, he's like doing something entirely different. Was that a moment for you? Was there a time where you like sort of <clears> – <throat> came out, if you will, in that way as this kind of new person on a new path? Um, you know what? That's a great question. I don't think there was any one moment that I can recall. There were a number of really powerful moments along the journey. Uh, for me, it was just the accumulation. It's persistence. Like every single day, I would go out there and I would I would stretch myself. I would do uncomfortable things. I... Um, so it's hard to put my finger on like one moment, but I there were many times where I had to reconcile certain parts of my past, certain skeletons in the closet, or old conversations that never came full circle. Um, and a lot of those conversations never did come full circle. A lot of things 
um, I had to leave a lot by the wayside. And that's just kind of how I am. I just go. I just get because because I, I realize this life is very fragile. It's very finite, and I don't really have the energy, patience, and uh, or the bandwidth to kind of like wait around. I I just go, and then I feel like things will line up along the way. Um, and I've had some incredible synchronicities, even recently of a situation between me and a woman that I almost got married to with um, and her two children. And I had a situation where you could never have predicted it. It was, it was the most unexpected situation where I actually bumped into her now 20 year old daughter. Um, and we hadn't seen each other in like, you know, like eight years or something. And that was a situation that never got fully resolved. And, um, you know, one of those conversations that I kind of regretted for a while, but then we bumped into each other in Santa Cruz while I was visiting a dear friend of mine, um, and she didn't, Leia, the, the, my, my, ex, my ex's daughter, she didn't even live in San, San, Santa Cruz, so it was like the wow. most, un, and we bumped into each other walking along the street, so it was the wow. most fun, it was like one of those moments where like, your faith is restored. It's like, wow, we, mm-hmm. we do not live in an atheistic reality. We live in some kind of reality where there is some kind of presence that is, that is weaving these things together in such a perfect way that, um, you know, it just kind of restores your faith in, 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 in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I want to talk more about this um, expanded notion of sobriety you're talking about, you know, so, you know, you talk about um, detoxing or, you know, uh, becoming sober from a variety of influences in life that are intoxicating us, keeping us asleep, limited, false notions of self in this society. Can you talk a little bit about how you do in your book a little about how society is the world around us is currently set up to mm. as an obstacle to personal transformation mm-hmm. and to fully realizing ourselves. And then also, you know, what what is essential to detoxification and to sobriety from that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the great question. So I really believe that most people are walking around intoxicated by a hypnotic spell of mediocrity. Mm. And they and they are they are so consumed by mediocrity as as culture has imposed it upon us, um, in the way that we go about our life, in the way that we go about this like linear, static one plus one kind of approach to life. You know, like you're born, you go to kindergarten, you go to first grade, you go to junior high, you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job, and then you die. Right, like this kind of this kind of linear approach to life where everything is mathematically figured out your your the trajectory is figured out for you and you basically are trying to predict every next step and i feel like that is a very very surefire way to living a mediocre life and i don't mean mediocre in the sense of judgment i don't mean it in the sense of like oh my life is better than someone else's I mean it in the sense of not exercising our full capabilities for what our potential is in this incarnation, what Mm -hmm. our potential as human beings are and our unique potential and our unique capacity to actually exercise the gifts that we were given um, in a way that benefits humanity, in a way that benefits life on the planet, in a way that benefits other people. Um, beyond just like making money and paying the bills kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that's kind of one of the, that's one level of it is, is the intoxication, um, having to do with money, having to do with our ideas around money and how we enslave ourselves um, in order to simply, um, you know, live above our means, you know, like if you look at the word job, it's an acronym for just over broke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that actually. You hadn't heard that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so there's, there's all these little booby traps in our language, and people don't, we don't really think about it. But yeah, if you look at the word job, it's just <laughs> over broke. That to me, that's a booby trap. And so the the reality, the the um, reality is very permeable. You know, once you get on a certain nutrition strategy, 
and you start to experiment with different <clears throat> different things um, that upgrade your mind or upgrade your lifestyle or free you up of all the stagnation in the physical body, reality starts to get a little more permeable and you realize, wow, I don't have to live with shackles on my legs. I can actually create my perfect day. You know, let's just start there. Like, what is mm -hmm. my perfect day look like? The work that I do with a lot of my personal coaching clients and some of my group coaching programs is really helping people liberate themselves from their own limited imagination. You know, because then you ask someone a question like that, like, what is your perfect day look like? And they start rattling off all these all these almost like excuses why they can't have their perfect day. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't ask you, I didn't ask you why you can't have what you want. I just asked you what you want. And there's like this deep resistance or reluctance to fully declare one's genuine desire because they, they actually were never given permission to do it. They don't believe in themselves. They, um, you know, their, their level of self-worth and value has been dramatically diminished. And there's a process of rebuilding our own identity, you know, and not our identity around how society sees us, but our identity around how, who do we want to be? Like, do you realize that you are, you can be a superhero, you know, mm -hmm. like that's not just like a movie, like the reason you are, you are inspired by a movie or inspired by a lecture or inspired by anything is because you are coming into spirit whenever you are, you know, like if you watch a movie or something or hear a great lecture and it inspires you and it moves you, it's telling you something about you. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, so it's that that it's that one level of, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I feel like the sobriety piece um, on one level has to do with getting back into a magical reality and more of an enchanted reality. And and we are intoxicated with the disenchanted um, propaganda, I would say. Yeah. So let's. um this is a perfect inflection point to kind of then dive into food and raw food and your your um, views about food's role in transformation. And um, I think that was the thing that struck me, one of the few things that struck me um, in the at least the first portions of your book that I read about <clears throat> food as an active component to a transformational process or journey, something that – and I've been studying – personal development, self-improvement, spirituality, you know, that whole world, I've been looking at it for over 20 years, and I've never seen anybody talk about that as a direct thing. A lot of people focus on food as just healing the body and feeling better, and sure, I'm, I'm on board with that, but you're making a direct connection from, from food to kind of evolving and expressing our, our highest self and yeah. doing the, the highest good that we can do in the world in, in, in a very direct way, not as yeah. part of a big equation, a Rubik's Cube, but as like, no, this is part of that and a direct part of that. Talk about that and talk about food's role in transformation, number one, and number two, uh, get specific about the kind of food, the kind of diet we should be eating. Absolutely. That's that's a great. So, yeah, a huge part of my work is actually this cross connection between you are what you think about and you are what you eat. Mm -hmm. And we have those two those two phrases that we understand, but we hadn't really put them together yet. There's a great quote that comes out of the Upanishads, which is um great um uh, a great kind of uh spiritual text that comes out of India. And the phrase is, the subtle energies of your food become your mind. Mm. Mm. And this is actually known in all great kind of pseudo-religious spiritual traditions in the Eastern mysticism, Eastern spirituality, that what you consume actually donates energetic imprints um, that are affecting our mind, that are affecting our consciousness, that are affecting our state of being. And, and this is, and you know, you could take it to a much more obvious perspective. It's very difficult to be in an attitude of gratitude if your body is chronically full of pain. Mm -hmm. 
Right. You know, you can meditate <clears throat> all day long. However, if you have like knee inflammation, you have you have sciatica, you have, you know, calcification in your spine, you have like this tightening around your neck or whatever the case is, you have like a heart condition, <clears throat> then it is extremely difficult, if not impossible, to be in a constant state of gratitude. Right? And it's not it's not totally impossible, but what I'm saying is that what if we just applied both universal principles? How far could we get in our spiritual pursuit? Because there's a lot of people that are entirely focused on spirituality, mysticism, metaphysics, and all these kind of things. And it's it's really a beautiful it's a beautiful emergence of of what a new society could look like. However, a lot of it is very ungrounded, in my opinion, especially being in the spiritual community for the last 10 years all around the world and just kind of checking, checking out all the scenes. I'd say a lot of it is very ungrounded. It's mm-hmm. um, illusionary in a lot of ways, in the ways that people construct fantasies that are not grounded and they can't seem to manifest heaven on earth. They can only manifest heaven in their mind until something in their life throws them off track or they have a health condition. And then all of a sudden it's not heaven, is it? And so there is, there is a practical application to spiritual ascendance. Um, and my, my personal focus is this idea of inner transformation, creating outer transformation. So what we put in our mouth is not just a consideration of our body. It's a spiritual consideration. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a deep, deep spiritual consideration at a certain point in one's journey. And that's why, and that's why it is for me. That's why I will walk a path. I will walk a vegetarian path from now till the end of my my duration and I know that for a fact I know that that's part of my path that may not be part of everyone's path but for me personally I know that for sure so I so that's 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 a consideration for me you know it's and it's a physical consideration it's a health consideration and it's a peace of mind consideration right right it's a really specifically now um, changing food when we're changing from let's call it the standard American diet, which is another acronym SAD, um, <laughs> but let's if we're if we're if we're eating that and we're replacing it with say organic vegetables and fruits and whole foods etc., mm-hmm. what are we actually doing? And and what is happening to the body when we do that? Um, I think that's when we take in like higher level food. Are you saying? Yeah, and and even go so far as to say raw food. Like it's yeah. like when we're eating a raw diet, and I want to ask you um, in a few minutes too, kind of what your typical day of food might look like. But what are we actually changing in the body? What is that action? Sure, that you know that's a big big conversation. One of the aspects is that whenever we cook food, we are creating a chemical disturbance on us on an atomic level, we're creating a molecular change in that food's chemistry. And there is a lot of different things that are happening. For example, um, there in a in a simple potato, for example, there could be up to 300 to 400 chemical changes that happen upon heat treatment, you know, putting it in an oven or something. There could be up to 400 chemical changes happening in one potato. So it's kind of a commonsensical approach to diet and nutrition to start eating more raw living food. It doesn't mean that you turn over all the way and go completely into like a 100% raw food diet. It just means you start entertaining more fresh living foods. So basically what that looks like is you know, uh, raw vegetables and fruits, nuts, seeds, um, sunflower sprouts and sprouts of all kinds, uh, fermented vegetables, getting mm-hmm. into things like roots, you know, like ginger and turmeric and, and root vegetables like carrots and beets and that kind of thing. Um, you know, just starting with the simple basics 
of, of really where the entire food chain comes from. Because if you think about what's natural, what's authentic, and what was originally on the earth before we started applying heat through microwaves and ovens and stoves and, and toasters and campfires and all this kind of thing, was raw plant food. Now, it was in a different form. It was in a wild form, which was, in a lot of cases, hard to access because of whatever the protective mechanism was or maybe that plant didn't have as many calories and it had it had more what's called toxic alkaloids so you couldn't eat enough to get your caloric needs so the advent of heating through campfires was definitely an important discovery however as we progress into the next century what we're realizing is that Almost every single disease and debilitation is either entirely diet and lifestyle induced or it's heavily related to diet and lifestyle. And by changing our nutrition strategy and upgrading our, our basically like processed food and a high cooked food diet and an animal food diet and, and reverting to a high living food diet and plant-based diet, we can actually pretty much, <clears throat> I'm going to say the word quote unquote reverse, however that's basically what I'm saying, we can mm -hmm. mitigate the inflammatory damage that has been, that, that is done to the body there's a lot there. We can kind of go down the rabbit hole for what that means and more details if you want to kind of, if you want to kind of um, uh, track that a little more. If you want to add more detail to it. that's the basic idea though is that we're kind of returning to something that's a little more natural and it's a little more normal. And my personal experience has been when we start to do things like green vegetable juicing. Like let's say adding one green vegetable juice in your day. That could be a celery, cucumber, lemon, parsley, or cilantro. Maybe juice up some turmeric root. Maybe put in one green apple if you like a little bit of sweet. Doing that once a day will radically change somebody's experience. It will change your state of mind because it will actually flush out a lot of the toxic byproducts that get stored up in the body. You know, every time we eat something, by the way, we create what's called waste products or metabolites. And these things build up in the body over time. And this appears to actually be the thing that ages us the quickly. It's the waste products that don't get detoxed out of the body or don't get eliminated out of the body uh, through urination or defecation. And we need things that are going to help flush that stuff out of us. And green vegetable juice and fiber-rich foods coming from raw fruits and vegetables is extremely helpful for just kind of pulling out all the waste products. And it, basically the experience is that you free yourself up and then it, it just lightens the load. Mm. And I know, um, you know, we could go down so many rabbit holes here with you, Ronnie. So we'll try to just pick a couple. <laughs> and for those of you who are listening, who might pick up Ronnie's book, it is like a real textbook on this, on all of this. So it's, it's, there's fascinating lines of, um, of thought and exploration there. But I know you say in your book, just to elaborate a little on what you just said, that something to the effect of, um, you know, every disease is, all diseases are the same things and we are being, mm -hmm. you know, we are being confused by all yeah. the different names that are given to them. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you just, you were getting to it a little bit there with some of what you were touching on, but can you elaborate on that for a point? Cause I think people will find that really fascinating and a bit yeah. mind blowing. Yeah, that's a great point. So every single disease, it's not that every disease symptom, symptomologically is exactly the same thing. It just means that diabetes is not really diabetes or cancer is not really cancer. What it is, is that it's, it's a body that's toxic. So it's not like, oh, somebody has cancer. It's that you are toxic and you need to detoxify, cleanse, re-nourish yourself with the right nutrients um, and the right, the right minerals, the right vitamins, the right nutrients, the right phytonutrients, all that stuff and detoxify the toxic waste products and the potential infections that are latent in the body. 
Um, and then symptoms start to dissipate over time and with the right strategy for the right person, of course. So it's not to say that um, all these diseases have the same exact root cause. However, the basic idea is that we identify with having diabetes. If somebody has diabetes type 1 or type 2 or, or whatever, they have some form of cancer or whatever the case is, oftentimes people will identify with it and it will become part of who they are because they say, oh, well, I, I have cancer. Yeah, have you heard that before? Like, there's like, oh, I, I, I'm a cancer patient, or I, I have cancer. I've had cancer or, for 10 years. I've had diabetes. It runs in my family. Right, right, right. Or I'm a cancer survivor. Right. <clears throat> we hear that a lot, And there's too. a lot of pride Which in is that, great, right? but it's still a lot of identification right. there. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, you're actually a survivor from a toxic industrial era. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's the idea is that when you can simplify and recontextualize some of these commonly um, associated terms, it changes the experience and it changes your ability to actually create solutions or be open to solutions because the running the running meme in society is that diabetes is incurable. Or right. cancer is incurable. That's the running meme. So automatically people just associate. Um, and that's what I mean by mediocrity. Mediocrity is a lack of resourcefulness. Mm. And so people just habituate to it. And so what I'm saying, again, one more time, is that it's not that somebody has a disease. as a That's a symptom. That's a byproduct. That the root is that they are toxic. Mm. 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 Well, yeah, you're you're that makes so much sense and it's so clear and I think it's baffling only because we have been preached so much complexity and brainwashed into so much complexity uh throughout the course of our lives in the last, you know, 50 to 100 years. Um Again, that is a beckoning rabbit hole and I'm going to transition mm -hmm. I, I, but I I do want to before we kind of get off of food uh, I'd like to hear what you typically eat through the day. Maybe just look at maybe yesterday or the day before that as a as a case study. In particular, kind of what you eat when and and how how do you pace your your meals? Are you eating three big meals or a different structure, perhaps? Yeah, I, I pretty much fast throughout the day actually nowadays. So I do I do either I do like basic intermittent fasting, which looks like. On most days, it looks like fasting on water for the first like six, sometimes eight hours of the day, depending on just how I feel. And that's something, again, you learn over raw food saturation. There's another thing about living foods and, and food in general that, that is missed on 99% of the conversations about nutrition in the world is that when you cook food, you, you actually, you, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You volatilize or you, di you, dis you dissipate water from it. So you basically, you strip the water molecules from food as soon as you cook it. So raw food actually has living water in it. And that's mm -hmm. a very important distinction is that most people that are consuming three meals a day are actually dehydrating themselves throughout the day and they have to drink more water, more water. A lot of times the water people are drinking isn't very good quality either. So that, that furthers the dehydration. Um, so it's just kind of this, this endless thing. So another thing about living food over the years, and I've been into raw food for almost a decade now, is that it actually hydrates you in a way that that is different. Than, than just drinking water by itself. And that's, so that's one level. I, I just been, I've just been eating so much raw food over all these years, fruits and vegetables, that I just feel like I, I, can, I can actually just water fast um, whenever I want. And I love it because I, I just feel like, I feel like a free energy generating device. I feel like, like a Nikola Tesla in my body. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's cool. But th that's something I've come to over many years. So, so what that looks like in just layman's terms is that I drink one liter of spring water upon waking up in the morning. And that helps flush out the waste products that helps to rehydrate me, cleanse, get my mind clear 
And then from there, I'll do a little bit of like little supplements or goodies. I like to play with activated charcoal. Activated charcoal is amazing for for sponging up and, 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 you know, just getting rid of all the metabolic toxins and any kind of environmental toxins that might be circulating in my body. I like to do little stuff like that. I'm always changing one thing out for another and playing with things. And then um, probably around maybe two or three, I might have like a really light superfood smoothie. And that's something that covers like all my, my protein needs, my basic caloric needs, my my fiber through like things like chia seeds and ground flax seeds and uh, you know goodies like that hemp protein hemp seeds all that kind of stuff and um, with a little bit of like uh, wild blueberries or raspberries or blackberries uh, or acai you know and it's something like that a superfood smoothie um, around two or three and then around typically 6:30 to 7:30. Um, I will have one physical meal and, uh, you know, that's always an ever changing thing, but that, a lot of times that's just like a really big, like salad, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and I find over the years that I can't even get through these salads anymore. It's just like, wow, like I really don't need that much. Like I find like a lot of food actually at this point is just more entertainment and it's taste and flavor. <laughs> But it's not so much like I need it anymore. I feel like I'm just like way more optimized and I'm I'm just trying my best to to get through a meal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's amazing. <laughs> I know that when we've experimented even just with portions or cleanses, we've both had that experience though that it, you know, it, it what you think you need can really change depending on what you're practicing, you know, and how conscious you are. So um, I know that we want to, again, so much more we could talk about there, Ronnie, but um, I know we want to talk about um, your work and your business um, and how you work with others. So, Mm. you know, we talked at the beginning of the call about your calling and how you really just, you got a hunger for it and dove into it. And now you're working with others. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how you you know, turn that passion into a business, you know, developed a coaching practice and in what your business looks like, what you offer to others. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, in the first five years of doing all this, I was pretty much just like making a little bit of money here and there, getting by um, different little business ideas or, or coaching people on the side to make money, um, whatever the case may be. But I wasn't thriving by any means. And I was just running around giving lectures all the time, writing books, doing videos, uh, just trying to think of ways to keep building this platform and keep getting my name out to the world because that was what was driving me. It was just like this mission of becoming this world-recognized nutrition figure. And I just kept with it. No matter – I didn't make any money, great. I made money, great. It didn't, it didn't matter one way or another. Yet there was like this leakage in my tank from just, you know, not being able to support myself all the time in the way that I wanted to. So a lot of it was a faith-based mission. And then eventually I got to this place more recently over the last couple of years where I just got burnt out and I just realized, you know what, like I really need to take this entrepreneur thing a lot more seriously and I need to develop a financial uh, uh, foundation and vehicle that allows me to do what I love and also allows me to liberate myself from my own mediocrity, which at that time was mostly the financial side. And uh, so the first thing that I did was that I took all the work that I had created in my original book, which then I eventually turned into the Holistic Health Mastery book. Um, I created an online holistic health course which is called the Holistic Health Mastery Program. It's a holistic health and nutrition certification course, over 70 videos in the curriculum with 55 bonus videos. It's an amazing program that is that is out there in the world at holistichealthmastery.com. And that was the first real um, the first real product besides my books that I created that really started to change that that entrepreneurial direction for me. I, I made like $10,000 in the first couple months of, of applying it. 
and I realized, wow, okay, this is the chain. This is the turn of events. This is the thing that now I can't go back. You yeah. know, I can't go back to being broke again. Like I, I actually have to like, you know, it was, it was a very powerful moment for me as an, as a, as an infopreneur. Um, and it, it showed me, it revealed a lot about my potential, you know, in terms of like providing service and being reciprocated for what I give other people. And I think that's such an important principle. And that's actually what I teach a lot of health, wellness, and visionary coaches and entrepreneurs in the personal coaching work I do is I actually help them uncover what it is they're meant to do on the planet and really get to this place where they know what their worth is so they never ever are scared to ask for what they want and what they deserve Mm -hmm. and actually to never shortchange themselves and to say no if something is not in alignment um you know those basic things which i find a lot of heart-centered entrepreneurs and coaches are terrified of rejection they're terrified of saying no to somebody and they basically bend over backwards for peanuts and um, you know then they wonder why they're burnt out why their health and my health had suffered for a while too I mean it's just it's gonna happen if you're not being reciprocated the universal flow of abundance cannot cannot feed into you because our limiting beliefs our scarcity software is actually inhibiting that flow and so if you think of like a unified circle like a like a it wants to it's there's a continuity right there's a continuity and a flow to to abundance and prosperity and the only thing that holds us back from experiencing that and receiving that is actually the stories that we have about why we can't receive it why we're not good enough why whatever fill in the blank mm-hmm. and so i did a lot of powerful work in that area i'm still doing work to keep rising to the next level of the impact that i'm here to make on the planet and other people's lives and that just so looks like at the moment in my coaching work that looks like me helping to empower other really amazing coaches to make their impact even greater um as a, as a way of creating a ripple effect way beyond my own personal impact. Yeah, it's funny. As you're talking, I'm looking at our questions and you're kind of answering them <laughs> as, as, as we're going down the page, which is good because I think we're, we're almost out of time. Um, I guess it's a good wrap-up question. And then we have three quick questions that we ask every guest, which I'm particularly interested to hear your take on. But uh, as a, I guess as a wrap-up question um, – you know, uh, in your book, you talk about the necessity to strip down to nature's essence, return to nature, and obviously raw food being a fundamental aspect of that. Why to kind of come back to what to really kind of echo, I think, everything we've talked about. Why is it important through raw food and other means to strip down to nature's essence, return to nature, and get back to that? kind of essential aspect of ourselves? Um, well, I think I think the process of undomesticating ourselves is critical. You know, if you look at this, back to that, that whole topic about, like, cultural sobriety, you know, another way of saying it is that we're intoxicated by the domestication of the mm-hmm. human species, right? And so we have been domesticated and conditioned by the world around us to, that is essentially it, it's it's we we have um, we have dormant capabilities within us. We have a wild, ecstatic, uninhibited per- personality or possibility for expressing ourselves and our dreams that has been laid dormant. And my personal feeling is that my experience is that when we get into a nutrition strategy that liberates us. And again, going back to that great Sanskrit quote, the subtle energies of our food become our mind. So when we start incorporating foods that that literally give us subliminal messages that come from the earth that haven't been denatured or disturbed through heat treatment or processing or anything, 
It actually informs our consciousness and changes our personality. And it causes us to become a more wild version of ourself. Mm-hmm. And then eventually what starts to happen, every long-term raw foodist actually knows this because it happens all the time, where after a certain while of cleansing and re-nourishing yourself, you're, if you're in a city, eventually you won't be in a city. Eventually you'll start to feel the wild call to get back into the wild. So you might end up exploring Hawaii as I, mm-hmm. as I did. You might end up exploring like Sedona. You know, getting into the red rocks and hiking and that kind of thing. You might get into the forest. You might, you know, what you, you're going to change your location. Your your curiosity is going to start to start to turn on because there's this call to return to the wild. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most people, because of the domestication, they are afraid to actually get into nature. You know, they're afraid to jump into an ocean. They're afraid to go barefoot on the earth. They're afraid to get direct sunlight to their skin. You know, this mm. kind of thing, right? There's, it's, it's really irrational when you think about it. Yeah. But when you, when, you, when you override that program and you start to tap back into nature, physically and metaphorically, um, it, it ignites a type of... Um, it ignites something within each one of us that's so natural and normal to us that um, we just kind of see through the veil. We start to see through the, 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 the overall hologram program going on. And um, the things that used to be normal to us all of a sudden become abnormal. And we, you know, we, we just basically regain our wild natural essence. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, and we're yeah, right there. We have to schedule a follow-up. <laughs> so many little uh, roadways that we can't go down. But we have these three quick questions. I know you've got to run, so we'll we'll fire those off right now, right now and then give you a chance to just sort of talk about what's happening now, your book, et cetera. Awesome. Uh, so the first question is, what book or books up to three would you recommend that every human being should read? Ooh, good question. So, Okay. One of the books is a, is a classic personal development book. I think it's the best book on personal development. It's a, it's a great book called As a Man Thinketh yeah. by the classic author um, James Allen. This book was put out in like the 1930s. This is my absolute favorite book on personal development. So I'd say As a Man Thinketh. Um, actually, you know what? We have the moment. Let me pull up a quote from that book real quick. Sure. I, <laughs> sure. I actually have it here. Let me just find it real quick. Okay, so as you open that book, this is the passage that you see. Mind is the master power that molds and makes, and man is mind, and evermore he takes. The tool of thought in shaping what he wills brings forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. He thinks in secret, and it comes to pass. Environment is but his looking glass. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. Mm, yeah. yeah that's nice. <laughs> so that's, that's number one. Number two, I would say, I would love to nominate... Um, one of my books, but but beyond that, there the book that really inspired me to get into raw foodism as a practice was a book called The Sun Food Diet Success System by my friend and colleague David Wolf. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, and that's the most that's the single most inspirational book on health and nutrition out there. It, it's it's the number one book in my opinion, and just from an inspirational and motivational standpoint. It's very hard not to kind of get excited about the possibilities for life from reading that book. And that's actually the book that connected the dots originally for me about nutrition and transformation. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'll have to, yeah, yeah, we'll have to Great. read that. I'm going to go get that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know, there's another book. Um, it's, it's right, I'm looking right at it. And I just, on my podcast, I just had an interview with a man Dr. Eben Alexander, mm-hmm. and he wrote this book, Proof of Heaven, mm. and yeah. it's a very, very famous book right now. It's a New York Times bestseller, 
And basically, it's, it's called A Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife. And Dr. Eben Alexander was a world-renowned neurosurgeon who, who basically, you know, he believed in materialism and mechanistic science and, and everything that you're taught as a hardcore scientist, right? And he ended up coming down with a rare form of bacterial meningitis, which ate away um, his neocortex in his brain. So, which controlled like memory and cognition and all that. And to the point where he became kind of a, a study among other neurosurgeons because he was in a coma. Yet in his own words, he says that he was on a long odyssey into the reality of the afterlife. Mm. And I have to say that his, his story is the biggest confirmation for me of that particular truth. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd say go on YouTube and look up like Dr. Eben Alexander, listen to one of his talks, because when you listen to him and you know his story, it's like, wow, okay, this is not, this is not like listening to someone talk about metaphysics. This is like, this is something else. Yeah. Uh, and he and he says that he's way more of a scientist now than he ever was, and he's on the completely other side, you know, into quantum physics and yeah, cool, and teaching people about his experience. Um, but that other that would be the third book, Proof of Heaven. That's cool, and we'll also link to your chat with him too. Give your throw some love to your podcast because awesome. it's a really good one. Uh, second question from us: This this could be this is uh, well, we'll see. This Very is interesting. interesting. <laughs> yeah, what's the best meal you've ever had? Oh man, I've had a lot of amazing raw food meals. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I, um, man, that's that's a tough one. Well, I'd say that you. Well, if you're ever in Encinitas, then I'd say like going to this place called Peace Pies. It's yeah. an amazing raw food restaurant. Amazing dishes. I um, I had one of their kelp noodle pot kelp noodle pastas, which was like off the charts. Their raw pizza is off the charts. I love their raw burger. Um, man, and then there's also another place in, um, there's called Allock. Where's and that? There's one in Fountain Valley, which is Costa Mesa, California. Yeah, right. And then there's yeah, yeah. one in downtown Los Angeles. And I have to say, I have to say this, my, my dear friend, Chef Ido is the main chef at that place. It's, it's called Allock's AU. L-A-C, and Chef Ito is a 15-year, well, I mean, he's a, he's a Buddhist monk, but he is he has taken a vow of silence over the last 15 years. Wow. And he's, he's held strong, and he's a raw foodist, and he basically makes the most amazing food, and, um, but he, he's completely in a vow of silence just as a way of life. And so you can tell when the food is created, there's some kind of energy and levity associated with the food. It's, it's really amazing. So I, I don't know, Wish Meal was my favorite, but those, that's what comes to mind right now. That's Ooh, great. Sounds, yeah, that's it sounds powerful. I know. <laughs> um, third question is, what have you learned in the last 30 days that you think every person should know? Um. I'd say the number one thing that comes to mind right now is that you have to be willing to invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. The number one thing I see is that people are just too scared to actually make a big investment in themselves. And that is exactly what we have to do in order to get to the next level of our growth, get to the next level of our evolution, the next level of our business, the next level of our relationship. You know, whatever part of your life you want to experience exponential growth, you got to invest in yourself and you got to invest big, you know, whatever that means, whether that's time, that's money, that's, that's energy, that's, that's whatever you got to be able to take risks. And the biggest risk is not investing in ourself. The biggest people think like, you know, people think, um, uh, what is it like playing it safe or not putting all your cards on the table is um, is is the safe bet. But that's actually the biggest risk. Not yeah. playing full out is the biggest risk. And that and is part of that kind of paradox that reality, I think, is created out of. But 
because you do create your own reality and you can create your own luck. I believe that for me personally, the biggest thing for me is that unless I'm going to do something full out, there's no point in me doing it at all. That's, mm. that's where I'm at with it. If I can't do it full out, then forget it. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, it's not an alignment. Yeah, that's inspiring stuff, Ronnie. Um, okay, so uh, I know, I know you've got to run. So why don't you, um, <clears throat> before we close, um, just let people know where they can connect with you online and what's coming up for you. I know you've got a new book at the printers. Um, tell us all about that. Cool. Yeah. Well, people can find me at RonnieLandis.net. That's my personal website. You can find more about my holistic nutrition certification program, which is HolisticHealthMastery.com. And then I also have my own podcast. So you can look up my name, Ronnie Landis, on iTunes or maybe in your show notes. You might have a link to it. You can also go to my yeah, my, my website, RonnieLandis.net slash podcast. Um, and then my new book that's coming out very soon is called The Inner Alchemy Youthening Program, A Guide to Vitality, Beauty, and Longevity. And that comes out mid-May. Got it. And the, and people can order that uh, can through order, your site. Yeah, they can order that through Amazon. That that yeah, should Amazon. be that should be available by early May. I think. Okay. So about a, this, this podcast will be released in uh, early, early ish April. So that's in about a month. Cool. Yeah. And then they can go to my website, get on my email list and all that and get updated as well. Yeah. Great. Well, we'll, we'll put all that in the show notes for sure. This has been amazing. Thank you, Ronnie. Really, yeah. Really super a great inspiring, pleasure. Ronnie. A lot. We, we, I know personally are taking away a lot for ourselves. So it's just fantastic. So happy to have you. Yeah. This podcast is a ruse to just talk to really amazing people. That's all having a podcast is. It's just you get, <laughs> you get to talk to amazing people that you, that you admire and then other people get to listen to it. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ronnie. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Great. Cool. All right, Ronnie. Thanks a million. Mm.